Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Again, good morning, and thank you for tuning in this Tuesday. This is the Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Carmen is taking the week off, and so what we're doing this week is we're enjoying some of the best conversations from the past year here on Faith Radio on Mornings with Carmen. So I hope you stay with us. Some great conversations coming your way. And we will have these podcasts, actually they already are podcasted to be sure, on our website, MyFaithRadio.com, and on the Faith Radio app. Plus, remember, you can always... Always subscribe to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. So if you miss a show, it'll be sent to you automatically in a podcast form. As we start off the morning, and I didn't do this yesterday, and I apologize. By the way, I'm Paul, her producer. And one thing Carmen likes to ask very often is, where in the word are you? And thanks to Spurgeon, this morning I'm in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. Now I want to go there um, because here's the verse. It's, it's it, a little context first. Uh, this is when Samson led the Israelites in a in a victory over the Philistines at Mitzpah. Yeah, a lot of big names here. But here's what the verse says. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mitzpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. We hear the name Ebenezer a lot because we think of Ebenezer Scrooge from the Christmas Carol. We we're watching plenty of that, hopefully, over the holidays, being stuck at home, seeing good classic movies. But did you know what do you know what Ebenezer means? It means stone of help. Okay, let's continue the verse. And then, for Samuel said, till now the Lord has helped us. And I love Spurgeon, and I I read his uh, morning and evening devotional. I've been doing that again this year because it's amazing. To me, Spurgeon seems to grab onto even just a few words, and we oftentimes just kind of gloss over. I mean, you probably just were focusing on, and he said, the Lord has helped us, right? You, you probably ignored the, tr- the word till now. Spurgeon doesn't. Here's his devotion from this morning and the morning and evening. It says, the phrase till now is like a hand pointing in the direction of the past 20 years or 70. And still now, till now, the Lord has helped us through poverty, through wealth, through sickness, through health, at home, abroad, on the land, on the sea, in honor and in dishonor and perplexity. In joy, in trial, in triumph, in prayer, in temptation. Till now, the Lord has helped us. We delight to look down a long avenue of trees. It is delightful to gaze from end to end of the long vista, a sort of verdant temple, and its branching pillars and its arching leaves. In the same way, we look down the long aisles of our years at the green branches of mercy overhead and the strong pillars of loving kindness and faithfulness that support our joys. Are there not birds singing in those branches? Surely there must be many, and they sing of mercy received till now. But the word also points forward. 
For when a man reaches a certain point and writes till now, he is not yet at the end. He still has a distance to go. More trials, more joys, more temptations, more triumphs, more prayers, more answers, more toils, more strength, more fights, more victories. And then he faces sickness, old age, disease, and death. Is it over then? No. Then there is awakening in Jesus' likeness. Thrones, harps, songs, psalms, white raiment. The face of Jesus, the company of saints, the glory of God, the fullness of eternity, the infinity of bliss. Be of good courage, believer, and with great confidence raise your banner for he who hath helped, hither, uh, helped thee hitherto will help thee all thy journey through. When read in light of heaven, how glorious and marvelous a prospect will thee till now provide for your grateful eye. It's amazing how Spurgeon can take a twist. We, we, we oftentimes, again, the words we gloss over, he did a good job of helping us not gloss over. Well, stay with us. Uh, coming up, as I mentioned, Best of Mornings with Carmen Bird, uh, LaBerge. And a question for you. How have your kids and grandkids handled this pandemic? As our kids' life patterns have been disrupted thanks to COVID, Carmen, Carmen talked this year with several experts to help our kids navigate things like distance learning and being isolated One of the conversations dealt with how we can help our kids develop resiliency, especially a spiritual resiliency, not just in the wake of the pandemic, but for life in general, because there's a lot going on in their lives. So that conversation with Valerie Bell of Awana is coming up next. Thanks again for listening to this Best of Mornings with Carmen. Valerie Bell, you uh, you may know her as the head of Awana. She's joining me today as um, one of the ambassadors of a movement that I will uh, describe as seeking to radically transform the way that we engage children in the church. The book is Resilient Child Discipleship and the Fearless Future of the Church. Valerie, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. It's great to be here. Um, so first of all, we're not going to stop loving kids. We're not going to stop uh, teaching them to sing Jesus Loves Me or to feel that the church is the most joyful, welcoming place in the world. But we are going to begin engaging them in a way that recognizes the world into which they are going to emerge as adults is is hostile and that they need to be prepared as resilient disciples. Do I about have the gist of it? You are, I'm sending you on the road. You have got it. <laughs> you know, you I'm not allowed to go on the road. So, this, so we just do it this way. We just do it via the radio. We take, the, we take it That's everywhere. Right. That's right. Well, you have it. We looked ahead at the trends in this culture uh, all the way to 2050 when this generation who are young now and in our church uh, programs will be adults. 
And we began to ask ourselves a lot of self-examining questions at Awana. I mean, we're still fun. <laughs> we still have a lot of kid uh, things going on. But uh, we asked ourselves, are we actually preparing them to be resilient disciples for 2050? Will they be prepared to not only lead the church, but influence the culture? And are we giving them things that will travel into their adult years as more than and spiritual entertainment when we got together at church and had a great time. And so uh, we began to ask ourselves that questions. We began to do assessment in the Kidman world because I believe that the future, not only the future of the church, but what's happening now uh, in the church could be highly impacted from the people who become alive and become on fire who are leaders in the kids' men wing or in the basement of the church, I think we have potential uh, for revival there. Just like in the uh, history of revivals, you read them, and it was the older women down on their knees who prayed in these revivals. So um, we are very, very interested in how we are approaching kids now. It makes a difference. So let me just go ahead and direct our listeners to ResilientDisciples.com, ResilientDisciples.com. That's where you're going to get information about what we're talking about today. The book is Resilient, Child Discipleship and the Fearless Future of the Church. Um, It's broken down into three parts. The why, where you really do help us see the church of 2050. The what, how we're going to shift our focus to disciple making. And the how, uh, build how to build a proven child discipleship philosophy. Um, Let's start with the why, and you've got a couple of provocative chapter titles. Um, Chapter three is entitled, Thank You, Bernie Sanders. Wait, what? (laughs) I just, you know, I just had to call it something that would make you read it. (laughs) (laughs) It does go and look, look at some of the trends that are happening in government kind of behind closed doors. And so uh, we have this situation where Bernie Sanders was interviewing a Christian man for a job that needed Senate approval. And he asked this Christian guy, you know, do you believe this is these questions are not even actually legal. But he said, do you believe that people like uh, Muslims who don't believe in Jesus are condemned? And uh, this man who was being interviewed stumbled to try, he was not expecting that question. He stumbled to try to explain what condemned might mean scripturally. Uh, Sanders, uh, Bernie Sanders interrupted him and said, do you believe the same is true of Jews? Now, we looked at that and we we didn't say, oh, one political party is worse than the other. That's not the point here at all. This is not a political statement. But what we saw was the growing hostility towards Orthodox Christianity. And we said, we need to prepare our kids to be able to answer questions like that. Bernie Sanders concluded that interview by saying, this man is not what our government should be about. So we saw in that this tendency for the secular culture to start sidelining Christian thought, to uh, silence us, to keep us out of places of influence. And we said, we're going to train our kids how to be prepared for questions like that. And so what we have talked about with our kids, and I know I'm getting into the how here, but is spine and heart. 
if they were in that interview, we would say to them, you know, tell Bernie Sanders everything you can think of that you appreciate about him. Uh, so you could start out by saying, I appreciate your heart for the underdog, for people who are without. I see a great passionate compassion for the world there, and I affirm that. But let me tell you what the most passionate person who ever walked the face of the earth said in scripture about believing and coming, how we come to God, and that he is not willing that any should perish. Okay, so now we, we bring in the heart. God, God is not willing that any should perish. That is not God's plan. That is by choice. Anyway, uh, so we began to work on these kinds of conversations that not only keep us in the conversation, but allow us to win favor. So at the end of those conversations, they don't say, hey, these Christians are people we don't think the government should be about, but they say, hey, these Christians, we need more of their compassionate heart in our government and in our places of influence. So I am talking with Valerie Bell. She heads up Awana, um, which may be the the largest and most significant kids ministry. It's got a 70 year history. Um, uh, You know, when I think of Awana, I think of um, Bible memory. Um, I think of, you know, of training kids to know the scriptures, which is is still I mean, scripture memory is still, um, you know, sort of the number one indicator if if. If I'm in the word and the word is in me, there is a greater likelihood that I am at least going to um, have that resource to draw upon in the future. But what I hear you saying is that is not enough um, because the culture into which these children are then going to emerge as young adults and ultimately adults, um, the, the culture has shifted to the point where the environment is so hostile um, that it's no longer sufficient to simply have the resource. They have to they have to be trained in how to use it. They have to be disciples, not just uh, vaults of of scripture memory. Yes. So one of the things that how we describe resilience is this: it's this elasticity. It's a spiritual elasticity. Uh, it's a resistant strength to bend and flex and not break against the weight of culture. And what we're saying there is not only do we need the scripture, in fact, that's one of the major legs on the stool of uh, discipleship, identity with Christ. That's Bible engagement is just huge. And we can talk about why it's so very, very huge. But it is in this time uh, naive of us to think if we don't point out the fallacies of the culture to our kids, uh, they are not going to be able to pull up a Bible verse and say, hmm, this is what scripture says about this. They need help to see how this scripture works in the world in which they have to live. All right, uh, Valerie and I are going to take a very brief break. When we come back, more from Resilient Child Discipleship and the Fearless Future of the Church. You can check it out at resilientdisciples.com. We'll be right back. It is Taste and See Tuesday, and we are seeking to taste and see that the Lord is good. And my guest, Valerie Bell, apparently has a peach pie in the oven. Um, and so not only is the faith that we share pie in the sky, it's the potential of pie right now. 
Yeah, they said uh, to me, don't worry, we heard the clock chiming, you know, it's okay, it's real life, and I'm going, but you might notice if I run to my kitchen and pull a peach pie out, wouldn't you? <laughs> I'm not no, going to do that. No, we would want, because then we would want, like, smell-o-vision, the smell-o-vision <laughs> version of radio. I'm a little bit, I'm just a little bit jealous right now. That's funny. That's <sighs> funny. All right, so let's... um. Let's continue our conversation again. I'm talking with Valerie Bell. She heads up Awana. We're talking about how we're going to develop spiritual resilience in our kids. ResilientDisciples.com is the website. Resilient is the book. Um, Valerie, let's talk about this. Uh, I don't know. Is it a is it a syllogism? Um, I'm I'm thinking here of the three B words. Um, yes. Uh, and so so talk with us about that. Okay, so uh, we just left the why, and uh, we're basically saying we're trying to raise up a generation of Issachars. There's that fabulous mm. verse that describes this tribe of David, and uh, everybody else is listed by numbers. And they are listed by this uh, definition. They were men and women who understood the times and knew what to do. So before we pass out of the why, I want to just say we need to understand the times and listen to the voices who know what to do. That, that's another thing completely. Okay, so then we've got these three B's, and these are aids to help us understand what, what actually discipleship is. So uh, we did surveys of thousands of churches and uh, youth workers, kid men people, and we asked them, do you know if you are creating disciples? And over half of them weren't sure. And it's you know possible that we are going through a lot of things that are not actually creating disciples. So these three Bs are the the legs on the stool of discipleship: belong, believe, become. Belong, believe, become, and those three, when they are present together, uh, build this identity in Christ, which we call discipleship. So. Belong. So what well, so what resonates with me there is, you know, we have talked, I'm thinking here about conversations I've had with Kara Powell from the Fuller Youth Institute, oh, yes. right, about identity, belonging, and purpose, that, that young people are basically seeking the answers to those three questions, identity, belonging, and purpose. And so um, that, that's, that is covered here. You know, who am I, where do I fit, and what in the world am I in the world to do? I mean, that is what you are addressing. And so I just wanted to highlight for our audience, there's a lot of alignment here um, with all of the best research that's out there today uh, in terms of this conversation that we're having about resilient discipleship with kids. Yeah, thank you, Carmen. Yeah, th these put words on uh, things that have been happening and actually we hope to be happening. So this belong, this, uh, we have a generation of kids who are screen disciples. They are finding their identity digitally. They, they figure out how they think and what they wear and what group they belong to from the internet. And so we are looking at this belonging and saying the church has this tremendous uh, need to not only run programs and herd a hundred or so kids through the church doors every middle of the week or on the weekends, but these children need to be known 
and they need to have the access to uh, an older person of faith who cares about them. And that is so important. The UN, there's so much data on this now. This is coming from all sectors of the world culture. But if a child has a loving, caring adult, is what we call it, a loving, caring adult in their lives, they are able to uh, mitigate all the other circumstances around them. And when it comes to faith, to have access to a personal, close relationship with an adult who is walking in faith, this child then has the opportunity to see how faith works and to kind of grow in the soil of that older adult's uh, life, faith life. So Kara Powell talks about this in Sticky Faith, and she refers to it as five adults. There are five people who will come alongside, you know. I, I, I would just be so very glad if it was one person, if I was a parent trying to raise a child today, if one other adult took interest in my child and, and spiritually guided them, I would be so thrilled. And so that's belong. Um, this this gets into a conversation about the curriculum is not something that's printed on the page or something that I go by. Um, I am the curriculum. I mean, as a mature disciple of Jesus Christ, when I engage with young people, when I engage with the kids in my own house and their friends and the children at my church and the children in the community in which I live, I am the curriculum. That is really what I you're getting that. at. I love that. I, I'm going to borrow that. You can have it. It's all free. I mean, someone else, I, everything I have is stolen from someone. Well, you know, Awana had been around, we were around, we've been around for 70 years and we have these handbooks and we had trained our people that those handbooks have to be completed. And um, I began to say child before curriculum, maybe in West Stafford, uh, former um, CEO at Compassion is on our board now. And he said, maybe it's important some weeks that instead of getting that blank checked off that you memorize that scripture for the week, an adult, that loving, caring adult would write in there, I'm so glad you came. We love you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I just love you know, it. This program is after relationship. So belong. You know, and it's interesting. The next is believe. And I think, you know, in former times, churches very often would portray the message, you don't really belong until you believe. (laughs) And uh, that's club membership. And that's really not what I see in scripture. It's, you know, you come in any shape, any form, any, any kind of situation, and we will, we will pour belonging on you to lead you to believe. Absolutely. All right. Um, We're going to have to leave it right there. I I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. I hope that we can just go ahead and convince you to come back and talk more with us about this. I would love to. Yeah, I just, Valerie Bell, what a joy to meet you even in this way. Um, uh, One day I I aspire now to sit in your kitchen and share peach pie. Um, (laughs) Until then... We're going to uh, send people to ResilientDisciples.com. The book is Resilient Child Discipleship and the Fearless Future of the Church. Valerie, thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, thank you so much. You are the best. Thank you. Well, well, I was, I was, uh, I have those, I've had those people, right? My, my person of influence when I was a young teenager, I mean, her name is Kathy Connor and I would point at her and I would say, she's the Christian adult outside of my own home. Um, who poured into me in a way that 
uh, helped me become the disciple I am today. So I'm uh, I'm, uh, I'm a living testimony. I'm a living testimony to the research that you are uh, that you're proving out. Love it. Absolutely yeah. love it. Love Thank you so yeah, much, let's Valerie. Talk again sometime. I'd love to do let's that. do it. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll be right ya. back. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, again, thanks for listening to this special best of edition of Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. I'm Paul Perot. Here we are. Just three days left, if you include today, of 2020. So what are your hopes for 2021? No more pandemic? Yeah, getting back to normal. Pursuing the good life, maybe? Okay, what is the good life? In America, we often talk about the American dream, the goal of thriving financially. But what is God's definition of the good life? When Jesus died that we might have life abundant, what did that mean? What did he mean by that? Well, Durbin Gray joined Carmen in July to talk about the, or was it June? Anyway, it was this past summer to talk about his book called The Good Life. Well, that's coming up next on this Best of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. Does your teen like to break rules and push boundaries? Congratulations. You are the parent of a normal teenager. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. No teen likes to feel restricted. The thing is, though, limitations are good for them. For example, we have a number of beautiful horses at Heartlight. And because I love and value these horses, I put up fences for them. I create boundaries for them. The same is true for our children. We set up boundaries in order to keep them safe. And even if your teen doesn't understand that yet, never forget it yourself. When enforcing rules and giving consequences gets difficult and just giving in would be a lot easier, stick to your guns. Not because you're a tyrant, but because you love your teen. There's much more encouragement for parents from Mark Gregston online at parentingtodaysteens.org. Joining me now, Pastor Derwin Gray. You can um, find him in uh, a lot of locations. Um, try transformationchurch.tc. Also try derwinlgray.com. Uh, initially, the invitation was to talk about his book, and we are going to do that. It is The Good Life. It is. It launches tomorrow, but obviously you could go ahead and get it today. Thegoodlifebook.net. Um, Derwin, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, thank you so much. And Carmen, I just appreciate your prophetic voice. Um, I appreciate your passion, passion, your biblical accuracy to this issue. And uh, as a fellow believer in Christ, as an African-American, thank you so much. Thank you. I, um, I feel like we've been, for those of us who've been listening, for those of us who've been paying attention, for those of us who've been learning the language, for those of us who've been um, prodding. We're not, you know, we're devastated, but we're not surprised. And, and it's time for real change. The time for chatting yeah. about things is over. It's time for real change. Yeah. You, you know, so I am a, I'm a local church pastor. We are a 10 year old church and we intentionally planted multi, uh, a multi-ethnic church because as we read the gospel, we saw that Jesus not only reconciles us vertically with our father, but he reconciles us horizontally as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so uh, when the George Floyd murder took place, 
a lot of my white pastors and brothers and sisters in Christ called me going, I can't believe this. And I said, why? I said, why can't you believe this? We've only been talking about it since the civil rights, before that Jim Crow era. Uh, as a matter of fact, in my new book, The Good Life, in chapter nine called Happy Are the Peacemakers, I actually opened that chapter up with a story about Rodney King and police brutality in 1992. And so for my white evangelical brothers and sisters, the first thing that I'll say is so many pulpits from my white pastor friends have been silent about this issue. And black cries for help have been met with dismissiveness, has been met with surely, well, you must have done something to deserve that. It's been met with, well, what about all the death that takes place in Chicago? Well, yes, death that takes place in Chicago is terrible, but those are criminals fighting each other, whereas police are called to protect and serve, that they are servants of the community. And oftentimes the scales of justice have not gone in favor of African-American men in our country. And, and this isn't a new thing. This is a systemic thing. And the beautiful thing is that through the power of the gospel, which is more than I get to go to heaven when I die, it's I get to be God's justice on earth. There's a reason why Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons and daughters of God. And frankly, we have allowed apathy uh, my white brothers and sisters have allowed indifference. It's well, that that's not my problem. It doesn't it doesn't bother me. And love says, injustice anywhere is an attack against justice everywhere. And love does not simply mean, well, I care about things that only affect people who look like me. Loving my neighbors, I love myself means. I want to care about what affects everyone. That's what a Jesus follower does. That's that's what a peacemaker does. And so in my new book, I spend an entire chapter explaining, okay, here are practical steps that we can take. Uh, and African-Americans and people of color, they've already been engaging in this. And so we're, I'm I'm writing this so my white brothers and sisters can go, okay, here are some actionable steps that I can take to be a part of the solution, to be silent no more, to be engaged. And to, to, to pastors who are listening, you can't be afraid of preaching against racism in your church because you think people are going to leave. If people leave because you're preaching against racism, then I'm not sure those people belong to Jesus anyway. Yeah, let them go. So we need I mean, some I, I, courage. Jesus let people go. I mean, you know, the people, he let people walk away. And, yes, um, he did. and we're going to have to get to the place where we recognize that the numbers of people inside of a building, I mean, surely we've learned that already during this pandemic, right? It, your church is not the number of people you can pack into a building. Um, your church is somehow constituted differently than that. Um, the church is multi-ethnic. I mean, Pentecost is real. The church is multi-ethnic. Um, we do not always live uh, that demonstrated reality, and that is a problem. Um, I, I love this new book. It's called The Good Life, and uh, Derwin is talking right now about Chapter 8, Happy Are the Peacemakers. The whole book is constructed around the Beatitudes, and so you're going to get, uh, you know, Happy Are the Peacemakers in the midst, uh, in the midst of this. Um, when we come back from a very brief break, 
I'm going to invite Derwin to talk with us about the word happiness and why he's using it in here. This book also contains a happiness manifesto, a 30-day happiness challenge, um, and chapter five, which I suspect surprised you, Derwin, at how timely it is, because it's about how the early church responded to plagues and pandemics. So this book is timely. It is for you. We'll be right back uh, with Pastor Derwin Gray. The book is The Good Life. You can check it out at thegoodlifebook.net. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Pastor Derwin Gray, we are talking about his new book, The Good Life. Um, Derwin, let's talk about um, the Beatitudes as the framework for the conversation in The Good Life, uh, and then let's be sure we touch a little bit on what happens in chapter 5. Yeah, so in essence, what Jesus does at the Sermon on the Mount when he starts off with the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 1 through 12, is... He's inviting us into his kind of happiness. Like he lists eight different characteristics of a blessed or happy person. The The Greek word blessed is makoros, and it literally means happy. So happy are the peacemakers. Happy are the humble. Happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are the merciful. Happy are the pure in heart. Happy are those who are persecuted. And when you look at those eight different characteristics, it's actually a living portrait of Jesus himself. And in his humanity, Jesus is the prototype of what we were meant to become. And so salvation is actually the restoration of our humanity as the Holy Spirit comes to live in us to form us into um, Jesus-looking people. The Spirit does that as we participate by faith. And so happiness is actually the other side of holiness. Holiness and happiness are two sides of the same coin. And so our happiness is no longer rooted in external things. It's rooted in the internal, eternal love of God who's shaping us by the Spirit of God to be the people we were created to be. Happiness is about becoming who God created us to be. And as we become who God created us to be, we become His living presence, His hands and His feet, in this world. And so God is offering us something so much better and more beautiful and long lasting and impactful. And I'm excited for people to enter into the good life that Jesus wants to offer us. Yeah, I'm excited about that as well. Um, Derwin, we had D.A. Horton on with us on Friday to talk about his book, Intentional. I feel like God is stirring the pot on this. Like, I feel like God is, you know, speaking through a number of people um, really in in ways that are provoking us to move actively in this direction, to become these living expressions, these visible living expressions um, of of the kingdom, not just, you know, some fancy thing we could be today, but these genuine living demonstrations of the kingdom. Um, you know, as, as we bring this conversation to a close, we've got a couple of minutes left. I'm just wondering if you could sort of out of your pastoral heart, just call people to um, to not settle back in to the rut that we tend to just always return to. I'll just admit to you, I'm already hearing from people that, woo, I'm breathing easier this morning because it seems like there's, um, you know, peace is being restored or, or, you know, this order is being restored. And I have, 
I have responded immediately in saying, if you think you can breathe easier this morning, you've already forgotten that he couldn't breathe. Like, you've already forgotten I can't breathe. Like, And so can you just help us, provoke us a little bit this morning? Yeah, what uh, what I would say is Jesus gave us the blueprint, and he said, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And what I would say is, think of the most marginalized people in your community. And for example, let's just take the plight of black men. Would you ever want to change places with the plight of black men? If your answer is no, then get to work loving and creating a society in which black men are not marginalized. And I know some listeners are going, well, you know, those professional athletes. Well, I've been a professional athlete and I want to use my voice and my platform for people who don't have a voice and a platform. That's what it means to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And think of the story of the Good Samaritan. Jews and Samaritans had a 400-year racial religious battle, and the Samaritan walks over to the Jewish man bloodied and bleeding. He didn't, the only connection he had with him was humanity. Let's make humanity great again by learning how to love again. And love is sacrificial. Love looks like the cross. Love looks like this. If any of my brothers and sisters in humanity are hurting, then I want to be healing. That's what the good news is. Jesus came to preach the gospel to the poor, to the blind, to the oppressed. I mean, he's he's very, very clear. And if if the church you attend talks about racism only one time a year or twice a year when something bad takes place, that's part of the problem because it's liter- literally all throughout the Bible. I, I'm a New Testament scholar. Like it is literally all throughout the Bible. My theology for racial reconciliation and peacemaking is rooted in the Bible, especially in the words of Jesus and the Apostle Paul. And I want to encourage folks, get my book, The Good Life. I mean, it is a starting place. We need your voice. But more importantly, Jesus is looking at us and Jesus is saying, where are you? What are you going to do with your life? What is the purpose of your life? Is it simply to consume or to participate in my kingdom? He is calling you. He's equipping you. And some of you going, well, Lord, I don't know what to do. And he's saying, just bring me your two fish and five loaves of bread and I'll multiply it. God does not need our ability. He's got plenty of that. God needs our availability. Amen. Amen. Um, the, the good book, oh, the good book, <laughs> it is a good book. The Good Life is a good book about the good life. Uh, I want you to go ahead and check it out, thegoodlifebook.net. Um, Derwin, I just wanted to uh, give you a word of encouragement for my own household here very quickly. Um, I have a, a special needs son, and um, he's been, he's 14, but he's just now uh, like sort of able to process through some things, you know, where you feel like you can count on him remembering a second day, which you talked about yesterday. And so we've been working in Genesis chapter one, and he um, he knows what God calls good like that. He's he's up to speed on that. And he's like, well, you know, God said it was good. It was good. It was good. It was very good. And so when he saw the, the front of the of your book, he said, is that is that about when it was good? Mm. And I said, That's yes, awesome. 
Yes, <laughs> it is about when it was good, and it's about today. So there Amen. you go. I just want to encourage you with that. Hey, thank, thank you. you so much um, for everything. I look forward to talking with you again as uh, you know, as the as the needs of this current moment become you know the ongoing conversation that we're hopefully having uh, more often, not less often. Really appreciate it. Thank you. We'll be right back. This is a kingdom. Again, thank you for listening to this best of Mornings with Carmen on listener-supported Faith Radio. Carmen's taking the week off, uh, mostly. So that's why during the show this week, we're enjoying some of the best conversations from this past year on Mornings with Carmen. Another hour coming up, we'll be talking with, or actually Carmen will have talked with, we're going to hear conversations again with Jason Sautel, who is a former firefighter who has an amazing life story, plus... Alisa Childers is coming up next hour. A conversation we had, oh, not too many weeks back. It was back in November. Uh, she is a former, well, fair, fairly prominent Christian music singer. She was with the group Zoe Girl. Well, right now, she's in an apologetics ministry. And during her touring, she was struck as she was touring with Zoe Girl. Some of the churches she went into uh, were, they were calling themselves evangelicals, but they had distinct viewpoints that were against the Bible. They were progressive Christians, and she struggled through that. Her story of that struggle and what she's learned, that's coming up in the second half of the next hour here on Listener Supported Faith Radio. Like I said, Carmen is off. Well, mostly because coming up in two nights on New Year's Eve evening, Carmen hopes you join her for a special live stream event called Strength for Today, Hope for Tomorrow. It's uh, going to be on our face, uh, our our Faith Radio Facebook as well as YouTube channels, and you're welcome to join Carmen with special guests. They're going to pray out the old year, pray in the new. Some great conversations and more coming your way. Again, that is tomorrow. Uh, no, pardon me. That is in two days. That's coming up on the 31st, starting at 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern, for two hours. Again, part of Faith Radio. Go to our website for all the details. My Faith Radio. Well, again, thank you for listening to Mornings with Carmen. And as we keep mentioning, our show is not only available live on your Faith Radio station and on the Faith Radio app, but also the podcast come your way later on in the morning. And there we have a large catalog of great conversations on podcasts. Check them out or better yet, subscribe to the podcast at MyFaithRadio.com. That way, in case you miss a show, You'll get it automatically sent to you. Plus, remember, our our podcasts are shareable. So maybe there's a conversation like we just heard with Derwin Gray you want to share with somebody else. Go ahead and do that. You can do that again at MyFaithRadio.com and on the Faith Radio app. More Mornings with Carmen on the way. I'm Paul Perot, her producer. Thanks for joining me this Tuesday morning on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.